Welcome to GRIT, the Real Estate Growth Mindset Podcast, hosted by Brian Charlesworth, founder of Sisu. Sisu provides growth automation software for real estate. You'll hear stories from real estate thought and technology leaders, team owners, and brokers on how they grew their business in a rapidly changing industry. You'll learn how to transform your brokerage and teams into a high-performing and analytics-driven business so you have a new, durable, competitive advantage against disruption in your market. So let's get right into it. CISU and Workman are both really, really focused on providing service and value to teams in the industry. As we've both made the bet, teams are the future of the industry. And we made that bet a long time ago. And I think now the industry is starting to catch up and understand that that is reality. And so we put together this study that we wanted to unveil today, and I'm going to let Verl lead this. And again, the topic is the unexpected impact of teams. And so, Verl, before we get started, can you just tell us a little bit more about Workman Success and what you guys are focused on over there? Yeah, thanks for having me, Brian. It's always fun to be with Sisu and people that are like-minded in stuff that we do. So I appreciate you having me on. So what Workman Success is based in Salt Lake City, Utah. We're a teams-focused coaching company. Well, we work with brands, we work with broker owners, we work with team leaders and team members, and we provide them everything you can possibly imagine from a resource perspective to grow successful teams. Basically, we use the wisdom of our crowd and we crowdsource amazing content, and we have about a hundred coaches and we coach literally hundreds and hundreds of teams and our culture is no other success can compensate for failure in the home and people when you're good at the business it creates more opportunities and when it creates more opportunities we build teams and that's how we're able to have great lives while we continue to grow our businesses so I'm excited to share this information today and although a lot of coaching companies in the industry use CISU you guys use us exclusively in and when I say that, every one of your teams that comes in gets on CISU, right? So so anyway, I think it's been a fun partnership, fun to see you guys leveraging what we do and fun to see us leveraging what you do. So anyway, excited to share this with our teams and let's go ahead and get started. Earl, can you just give us kind of the history behind why this study? I know we got involved with you a little bit later as you started going down this road, but would love to hear just more about why this is so important and why has nobody ever done this before? Yeah, no, it's interesting. Everybody has opinions, right? Everybody has opinions on teams or what they think about teams. And as we started coaching teams, I started looking for, hey, is there really any data that talks about what teams want, what team members are looking for, what issues teams have at different sizes? And we have our opinions and our experience, but there's no one that's really studied teams. And I'm a big numbers guy. I like to say that which gets measured gets done. That's part of why I love CSU so much is because, you know, they measure the things that get the results that we want. We're able to, to duplicate activities because of what we measure. So we wanted to measure it. So we hired a company outside of real estate called the Center for Generational Kinetics. And they do studies for companies like Amazon and many of the Fortune 100 companies that are featured on USA Today, the Today Show, different media, you know, Wall Street Journal, the Washington Post, and their research is very, very deep. And so they came in and we hired them to come in and do a deep study. And they studied teams and the impact of teams. And we had really interesting questions. And what was interesting about this is when we did this, neither one of us put our clients into the team database, meaning they reached out to the industry and it's a random survey. And when we got the data back of the survey, it really looked like a snapshot of the real estate industry. And so we know that the data that we have is very, very good. And 
I won't show you the whole deck, but it's literally probably several hundred pages of research. We broke stuff down by generation, by team size, by team member, team leader. And so as I start to share data with you, there's going to be some interesting insights and we'll just kind of go through some of the slides and I'll share the data and then we can talk about the insight and you'll see how it's broken down by generation and by team size because different generations and different sizes of teams, different positions on the team recognize different problems or issues. And it's kind of, it's just kind of fascinating. So I think it'd be fun to share this with our audience today. Yeah, I'm excited. Let's go ahead and dive in, bro. So this is the cover of The Unexpected Impact of Teams in Real Estate. And so let's just start with one of the first ones. So we had to grab, I don't know, 15 or 20 of the insights. There's literally a, more than 100. This first one is that real estate professionals at every level and every size of teams credited being on a team as essential. Now, I want you to think about that. It's essential to their success in real estate. As I give you some more data, you're going you're gonna to see they made more money even though they were on splits. And so if you look at the different sizes of teams, it's interesting as the teams get bigger, the more essential it was to their success because what we found is the bigger teams have deeper training and development. They have more systematized the onboarding and the development process of team members. And yeah. so that's kind of a fun one. So to just to add a little bit to this one, and, and you're so right, because I've obviously lived with a team owner, right? I'm married to a team owner and I've watched her team grow from you know, five agents to 10 to 20 and now to 70. And as she's grown to 70, the amount of systems that are in place there from the software systems to the leads, to the admin team, to the training, all of it, it's immense. And what I've found is a lot of the agents there Although they should be prospecting every day, a lot of them rely on the team leads to really generate their full business, right? So imagine Verl being a brand new agent today and coming in to the real estate industry and just joining a brokerage and not a team. What would the chance of success be? Well, I think the NAR has that. That's like 80, almost 80, that's like 78% don't renew their license in two years. So the well, vast- I think I think NAR has that based on the history, but I think today it's going, I believe that stat's going to go through the roof because today without being on a team, if you're a new agent, you are really going to have a challenging time. So think about this, Brian. So 08 was the big crash, right? So how many years ago is that? 12? Yep. Okay. So- 12 years ago, any agent that has come into real estate in the last 12 years has never had to learn how to prospect. (laughs) They've never had to learn how to do really good open houses. They've never learned how to really market open houses and actually market their listings. So agents that are even five to 10 years in the business have never been through it. We're about ready to, as we go into the shifting market. And so my prediction is, is there's going to be a mass shift of where agents hang their licenses. And you're going to see agents that are experienced that have been in the business five to 10 years looking for teams to join because they're a machine and they can plug in quickly and get and have a much higher likelihood of success. It's also a great opportunity to grab market share. There's a lot of people sitting out there waiting and seeing what happens in the market. And our team leaders are like, we know what's happening and we're going to take market share while everybody else is trying to figure out what's going on. So this is a, yes. this so- is a fun one. So Verl, that is such great advice. What I want to pull out, what you just said is if you're a team leader, now is an opportunity for you to get experienced agents and get them quickly. So turn on the gas, right? Now is the time to scale up your team. Don't settle for having five to 10 agents on your team who are all top producers. That is not a way to grow a team because ultimately 
those top producers will end up leaving if you don't provide them growth opportunities. You know, you said something that was pretty interesting. You said that on your wife's team that's grown to 70, there's a certain percent of them that, you know, they want to be spoon fed leads. Mm -hmm. The cool thing about a team is there's a place for everybody. I can have hunters on the team. I can have people that want to do lead conversion and I can have people who just want to show homes because they love houses and it's okay. I don't have to make everybody be like me. I can create an environment where they get to be who they are and do the part of the business they love the most to become really good at it. And I think that's probably what's the coolest part of being on a team is you get to do the part of the business that you like the most. Okay. So tell me about this slide here, Vernal. So this is really, really different. You know, everybody talks about the millennials and the Gen Xers and the different generations of, you know, who's going to want to work on a team and who's not going to work on a team. But across the board, we found that people in every age group from the younger millennials all the way through the Gen X's all had a very positive or a very positive experience working on a team. It's not just set out for the next generation coming into real estate, the youngest people. It's literally people who've been in the business for a long time that realize they don't want to do their own paperwork anymore or they don't want to show houses anymore. And so for me, this stat says um, a lot. A lot of people are saying, I want to get into teams because I want to track the younger millennials. Well, the reality is the older millennials and Gen Xers want a team as well, and they have great experiences working on the teams. Yeah, now you said this in the last slide, and I just want to emphasize, it's not about the splits. It's about how much money they're making. How much money are they putting in their pocket? A solo agent coming into the business today would be lucky probably to sell five homes in a year. A solo agent coming into a team, and I witness this on a regular basis, a lot of these brand new agents are selling five to 10 homes a month like in their first few months, which is unbelievable to me. So again, it's not about, as the team leader, it's not about the splits. So don't be afraid to charge what you're worth. It's about how much you're empowering these guys to make money. Yeah, so on a workman coached team, a team member, a buyer's agent or listing partner has a minimum of 24 transactions a year. Like we don't even want you on the team unless you're doing 24 deals a year. And you'll make a lot more money on a 50% split doing 24 deals than you will 100% doing seven. Yes. And so it's about the money you take home, not the split you're on there. I actually have a stat on that that's really interesting. We'll show that in just a minute. But so one of the things that you have on this slide, what I want everybody to recognize is don't prejudge based on somebody's age group, whether or not you think they want a team. There's a lot of broker owners and a lot of brands out there that think, oh, well, I've got a bunch of older agents. They don't want teams. But the reality is they want teams and they have better experiences with teams and they actually love being part of a team. And so it's not just the younger millennials. It's really every generations affected by it yes i had a meeting yesterday with someone who's just super well known in this industry you know building a multi-billion dollar business and he shared with me that the average team owner that he's seeing is making net in their pockets one hundred and fifty thousand dollars a year that being said what that means to you guys as team owners and this is average teams right this is not top teams but the reason that's happening is they're not charging what they're worth. There are a lot of team owners out there that are not charging the full 50%. Let's just, and Verl, I know you have statistics on what people should charge when, and I'm happy to let you share those right now, but let's assume you're charging 50-50. That agent that gets 50%, that 50% is their gross and their net, right? They don't have expenses. You get the 50%. 
And now by the time you get done paying all your expenses, you're probably down to 20%, possibly less. So if you're on a 30-70 split, giving the agent 70%, guess what? You're not making any money. Like that's the way this business works. So I just wanted to point that out, Verl. And if you want to share your recommendations, I'm happy to have you do that as well. Well, so we can do that, but I want you to think about the philosophy. So team leaders, they get busy and they want to either exit the business or they want to slow down and they don't want to work so hard. And so they hire people, but they create compensation that disincentivizes that behavior. So for example, if I'll use 70, 30, if, and you can charge whatever you want to, we're not dictating anything, but like, so Brian, if you were my buyer's agent and I paid you 70%, there's no way I can afford to give you my A leads. And so it disincentivizes the behavior that you want from your team leader to overcompensate the team members. But if I- Well, got- there's, al- there's also no way that I can pay a staff to provide you the support that you deserve, right? No. Yeah. You know, I use the example of going into business together and let's say you and I wanted to be partners and you got a lot more money than me. So let's have you be the money guy and I'll work in the store and you put up the money, you sign the lease, you put up the sign, you fill the inventory, you fill the shelves with inventory, you do all the marketing and then I'll come work at the cash register. And then what I'll do is because I'm really good with people, I'll just take 50% off the top and then out of your 50%, you can pay back all your investment. Would you do that deal? (laughs) No, no. Well, that's what a team leader does that puts their agents on a 50-50 split. They put them on a 50-50. They spend all the expense. The person working the cash register takes 50% off the top and you're, you're left to try and be profitable. And that's why there's, that's why teams don't understand. A lot of team leaders don't understand how to create their job. And I can, I'm just speaking to all my team leaders. Your job is to create stability and security for your team. And you can't do that if you're not profitable. So we'll get more into the numbers. So 77% of people who have been on a team reported they had a positive experience. Right. The vast majority of people love it. They love it. Now, this is one of my favorite. This is one of my favorite stats because it's going to get a lot more competitive. I'm at a conference today and they gave a stat. There's 1.6 million realtors and there's 1.3 million listings. (laughs) What's the problem? (laughs) Well, there's not a problem. The thing is, what do you have to do to be the one that gets those listings, right? I mean, a lot of these agents in the business today are either part-time and in my opinion, those part-timers are are going to disappear into today's market. And then you have those who continue to take market share. And I think as we talk about this, what do I have to do, Burl, to be the one that is capturing those listings, that is selling those homes in today's market versus, because we all know the market is changing, right? So So you're going to have people who are actually taking market share today, and you're going to have those who are basically leaving the business because they're not doing any business. So what do I need to do as a team owner, as an agent to make sure I'm the one on the upper hand there taking market share? Well, first of all, you have to, you know, everybody says go back to basics. I'm going to say you have to do the basics better. You can't just be basic. You have to be exceptional. You have to be great at the business. According to this stat, it says that the vast majority, 85%, say that being on a team gave them an unfair competitive advantage. And let me tell you why. So as we dig deeper into the research, what we found is, is that specialization gives you an advantage. So I'll always play like we're role-playing, Brian, but if I'm going to go sell your house and all I do is listings and I do it 80 times 
times a year and I'm better at marketing, I'm better at staging, I'm better at negotiating, I'm better at making sure we make price corrections or course corrections during the process because I all I do is listings and I'm a specialist at it. When the generalist comes in to compete, it really makes it hard for them to compete with me because I have so many more resources and tools. I'm just better at the market. The same thing with as a buyer specialist. If all I do is work with buyers and I do it 48 to 60 times a year, I understand what I have to do to get my offers accepted. I know what I have to do to get people pre-approved. I know what I have to do to get buyer agreements signed. And so specialization creates the unfair competitive advantage. And so I'm going to say as a team, since we're doing a team session today, it's don't let everybody be generalists. Allow your agents to specialize in areas of the business. I have buyer's agents, listing agents, support staff, and even commercial agents are specialists. I have specialists that are specialists in just rental properties. I think this applies to what you talked about earlier as well, as far as them getting more training yep. on a team. And I think there's a big culture factor as well, especially for those teams that are having, I'll call them sales contests every month. But if you're running contests among your team, you're going to find that culture is going to drive an unfair advantage as well. So, so every team has a culture. And that culture is either intentionally created or it's accidentally created. And most teams have a culture that's accidental. Nobody actually thinks about what I want my culture to be. And so I like to, when I'm coaching a team, the first thing we talk about is building a culture of productivity. And you talked about having fun with it and gamification. Everybody likes to tell you what their GCI was. I like to track the activities that create the GCI. And so instead of instead of playing a game on whoever can sell the most, I want to have a game that says whoever can set the most appointments or whoever can have the most conversations. So I want to create the game around doing the activities that are going to give me the results that I want. One of the reasons we use CSU for everything is it gives me the dashboards to be able to track all that and makes the gamification yep. fun. So it's... Uh, it's not just someone's opinion of whether or not it's working. I'm tracking it and I'm tracking it with technology that makes it accurate and it's transparent so everybody can see how they're doing it. It makes people want to go harder because they want to be able to win. We do great prizes when we gamify sales contests. I totally agree with you, Verl. Sales contests, and I've seen a lot of these now that we have, you know, we have over 3,100 teams on our platform and a lot of them are running sales contests. With sales contests, absolutely, you have to make sure that you're in the lead measure not just the lag measure area. In fact, probably all in the lead measure area. And I would say if there's just one thing you could run a sales contest on, the single most important thing would be appointments met. Because appointments met, if you're going on appointments, you're closing real estate. Like that's the fact. So if you want to drive your people to go on an appointment every day, have a sales contest based on appointments met. Right. And like I do appointments set and appointments met. They're directly correlated with each other. And the other thing is when you measure the right things, and you'll hear, I'll say this a thousand times, that which gets measured gets done. When you measure the right things, then we can coach to the gaps. So if you're making calls, but you're not having conversations, we change the time of day you're calling. If you're having calls and having conversations, but you're not getting appointments, then we can focus on what you're saying on those calls. If you're getting appointments, but you're not getting listings signed or buyer agreement signed, then we focus on your presentation skills. So we track everything. And that's why 
um, being on a team gives us such a competitive advantage because we're tracking the things that allow us to coach to those gaps. And really, yeah. tracking is not, you know, people think accountability is a bad word. I think accountability is love. It's like we track the things so that we can fix it, not so that we can beat you up for not doing it right. It's like, I, like I never, like if you're making the calls and not having the conversations, like, well, let's fix it. I love someone who just gets up and, you know, eats rejection for breakfast. Let's just not eat as much of it. Yeah. All right. That's a good one. The 85%. So moving on to this one, 76% of real estate professionals say being on a team earns them a greater income. Now, I want you to look at this and I want you to think about it. It says 76% earn a greater income and two thirds of the study were team members, not team leaders. So the majority of the people were on lower splits, but they made more money. How cool is that? It doesn't surprise me. I watch it every day. If somebody has left a team and I, you know, it's again, it's in my house. I've seen one agent leave my wife's team and actually make more money than they were making on the team. The rest of them that have left, most of them are out of the business. And if not, they're making, you know, a fraction of what they used to. So one of the things, when you cut this down by generations, Brian, this is kind of fun to talk about. So the youngest generation, they're barely new in real estate. Of course, they made more money. It's all they knew. So 82% is high. As they get older, the younger millennials made, you know, a few or less. But the older millennials, 72% of them said they earned greater income, but it wasn't 82 or so 10% fewer. The Gen Xers, the 45 to 56s, that's the dead zone for a lot of realtors. These are people in the middle of their careers that haven't figured out real estate yet. And they don't know how to hunt. And so they, they decided they would get on a team. And now all of a sudden they're in their middle age and they're finally making money in real estate. And it's such a cool thing that they're able to make money here. What's interesting is the boomers or the people you talked about or the team leaders are making less because they're not structuring the team compensation correctly. And they'll actually tell you that they made more money when they were an individual agent than they did as a team. And that means they aren't doing it right. So the statistics on this give us kind of the same things we've been talking about. They just back it up statistically, which I think it's just fast. It's just fascinating to me. That, that's an amazing, that's an amazing stat. And it lets us know that the agents recognize that being on a team, they're going to make more money. So yep. don't hesitate as a team leader to, to charge what you're worth. Perfect. So let's go to the next slide here. This talks about the size of teams and the income they earned. I want you to look at this. Very small teams, it shows what their annual income is. And when we get into the seven figures, we have a lot of people on small teams earning seven figures. See 23% on a small team, 18% on medium-sized team, 20% on large teams. But on the mega teams, we blow through the roof on the people over a million dollars of income. So size of team matters when it gets to the amount of income or your total annual real estate income. And it seems to me like, so I've got some really small teams in high sales, uh, high dollar price markets that earn seven figures. I've got people in, you know, California, in the middle of Calabasas that'll tell you that, um, you know, they didn't believe that team members could do 20 million or 24 transactions. And now they've got several team members doing it. And we've watched them go from 100 million to 200 million to 300 million to 400 million to 500 million because they started building a team in a market where they didn't believe it was possible. They've got these young millennials that are making, you know, really high six figures on great splits. And so this kind of shows you different size of teams and where their income flow is. Very small teams. Uh, A lot of times these are husband and wife teams, one to two people. They are the lowest income earners. 
leaders because they haven't figured out how to clearly define roles and responsibilities and they don't know how to delegate. And oftentimes the smallest teams are where the biggest conflict is. So when we break this one down and we start looking at who these teams are that are small teams, the ones that had the biggest issues in communication were the smallest teams, which is kind of funny. The bigger teams haven't figured out because they systematize things. Yep. They have their systems in place. The larger you get, the more you're going to build a team that's going to make sure you have your systems in place. The other thing that I want to say about this slide is I don't think anybody starts off and says, oh, I want to build a mega team. Like, like I, I don't think your wife started out thinking, oh, I, I'd like to have 70 agents on my team. She that's probably, right. she just, she was kicking butt in real estate and because she's good at it. She just wanted some help. And as she got more help, she realized, oh my gosh, I love mentoring others and watching them be successful. And so she attracted more people that she could pour into and help be successful. And that it's like a drug. When you're helping yeah. other people succeed, I don't know, I, I get more joy out of that than actually selling houses. So when I'm developing people and I see them get to buy houses and investment properties and they're my team members, to me, that's what makes it all worth it. Teams start wanting just help. They want to just get help. But as they grow, they recognize that leverage is real. And so they become methodical about how they grow. So here's a couple of things that we do when we grow teams. First of all, if you're one to 10 agents or you're one to 10 transactions a year, you need a part-time assistant or someone that can just do your transaction management. I think you should not do transaction management the day you get licensed. You should never do it. Like I can't ever take you to that place where you're making a million dollars a year if you spend any of your day doing $20 an hour tasks. It doesn't make sense. So outsource it. In that 20 to 30 transactions, that's when people start realizing, oh my gosh, this is like, I can make more money here than I could at a job. You've run out of friends and family and you're starting to do some deals. And so you add some help, maybe a showing assistant or a buyer's agent. And then the way that we add buyer's agents is a simply a formula. For every listing you generate, you should close 1.5 buy side transactions. For every listing you get, you should have six to eight leads a month coming in. And for every 25 leads you generate, we add a buyer's agent. So regardless of your lead sources, when I look at all your lead sources, if you have 100 leads coming in every month, I need four buyer's agents. And so it's a formula. It's not, oh, I want to build a mega team. It's do we have the business that supports adding another team member? And because we systemize and track everything, we just plug you into the formula and we just add as needed. If you've been enjoying Grit, please help us continue to grow the channel by leaving a five-star review and sharing it with a friend. Now back to Grit. So, Verl, we have a question, which is 45% of members on a larger team make over a million dollars a year. I think that's, if you'll go back to that last slide. Yes, right there. So if we look up over on the far right, we're seeing 45% on a mega team making over a million dollars a year. You just talked about that. And I think price points come into play here as well. But you want to talk a little bit more and address that question? So what's the question? The question is, we're showing 45% here make over a million dollars a year if they're on a mega team. That's a statement. So what's the question? So yes, that's true. Yes, that's the question. <laughs> is, is, that, is that real? Yeah, that's real. I mean, they gave you their real numbers. And so now we didn't run that. We didn't run the statistics through like MLS verification of data. In our next study that we do together, we're going to run all the data against MLS numbers because CISU will get involved earlier in the process. And so we'll have MLS data to back up the statistical data that comes out here. But, you know, they just said, yeah, we make more money. And so as I'm on a team of this size, and then in another question, it says income, and then it broke down the income by generation and by team size. And that's a big number. I have a lot of teams that are 
are teams of five and less that earn over a million dollars. So having a mega team is not a prerequisite to earning a million dollars of gross income. So I'm going to say, well, I want I want you to double every year till you hit seven figures. So if you're at 250, the next year I want you to be at 500,000. The next year I want you to be at a million. And once we get to a million gross closed income, then we'll focus on getting to a million net. And so there's a, there's a very methodical process that we coach to, to help you grow. And it's not about the number of people. There's a lot of factors including average sales price, the number of transactions done by the team leader. You know, the more deals done by the team leader, the higher the profitability, but the lower the lifestyle. So I think the question, let me maybe rephrase that question. Are we talking agents on teams? Are we talking team leaders? Well, so this broke it down by size of team, not by team leader. So I have that data. I just don't have it on this slide. So I have to pull that up for you. I don't know. Okay. And so, yes, I'm saying that the owner can make over a million dollars. Yeah. Okay. And the answer is yes, but they get there by helping their team members succeed. Like if you want to build a team so that you can make a bunch of money off people, I am not the right coach. But if you want to build a team so that you can help other people have great lives, you'll get everything you want in your life. And if you have that's the mentality you want, then I'll help you like I'll help you for sure. But a lot of people start teams because they want to make more money. I start a team because I want to have a better lifestyle. I want to have a better time with my family. I want to be present when my kids are playing sports. I don't want to be on my phone all the time when I'm at family gatherings. And so I have other people on the team that can take that off my plate. And then when they have a game, I want to take it off theirs and have them have a great life too. So it's not about the team leader building a great life and making a boatload of money. It's about how do we create an environment where everybody on the team gets to succeed. For me, that's the key to leadership as a team leader. Okay. Thanks for the clarity there. Let's move on to the next one. I think we skipped over the last one. You're right. It says real estate professionals are more productive and successful being on a team. And so it kind of goes to all the things we've been talking about. But when you talked about culture, the culture of productivity says, look, when we're on teams of different sizes, the team culture is we're productive. We show up every day. We do a daily huddle. We practice scripts and dialogue. We get on the phones and prospect and we do it as a team. And when you have that rhythm of success, it's really hard to fail. You know why people fail when they get on teams? Because they don't show up and they don't do the work. It's not because the system's not working. And if they don't show up and don't do the work, it might be because of the leadership, right? Um, so just make sure that you do have that culture that Burl just spoke about on your team. Because if you do, you're going to have a much higher success rate with more of your agents. You know, every time you say something, it makes me think about the the industry issues that we have. And one of the issues we have is we have great realtors that now all of a sudden have team members working for them, but nobody's really developed them as leaders. And so because no one's teaching them how to be a good leader, they just wonder why everybody doesn't work as hard as they do because they they just do it naturally. Right. So 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 we, we really focus on that. So, Burl, I got into this business about seven, eight years ago. I saw that exact thing in my wife's business and really built CISU. As I went out and started going to these masterminds, the whole reason CISU was built was to help turn these team owners into great leaders, help you manage your sales business, help you know your numbers, help you put up systems for your admin team, all these things that you really need to do to be a great leader. And that's the key to having success in this business. It totally is. Nobody teaches leadership. And there's, I mean, I don't say nobody, we do. So I don't believe 
great team leaders are born. I believe they're developed. And if you're a team leader and you don't have a coach, that means that you don't have somebody looking at the way you're performing and giving you feedback. And your team members won't be honest with you. And it's, so it's real. And your and your competitors don't often give you the right feedback. So you need someone who like genuinely wants you to grow and be better as a leader. Whether I mean, and I, I don't care if you use Workman or not as a coaching client. You know, find somebody who can help look at your business from a different perspective and coach you through it. Because having a coach has made all the difference to me in my business. You know, in in real estate, we're a pretty good coaching culture, but you got to hire the right coach to understand teams. You know, a lot of people don't understand leadership. They're going to coach you to make cold calls, and like we focus on teams and developing great leaders and things like that. And I, I just want to emphasize, like, I don't ever talk to these team owners making the ones that we were just talking about that are making over a million dollars and they don't have a coach always so yeah i'll just back that up Uh, i see it i see it all the time so you know all the things we talk about i'm going to use this example of brooke signs and she's a sisu user as well brooke signs gets into real estate in 2015 she sells 30 houses what was funny about brooke is she used to book motivational speakers brian so she and you know why she got into real estate because she wanted more time with her kids which is yeah, actually kind of funny. And a lot of people who get into real estate for more time find they don't have any time with their kids now. So uh, if they're not managing their time, right? And they're managing their schedule. That's right. And what she realized was, oh my gosh, I have less time because she was yep. good. She was good at the business. So she sold 30 houses in 5 million her first year. And then she she got a workman coach uh, about halfway through her first year in real estate. The very next year, we said, let's start building a team so you can have leverage with your small children. So she went from 30 to 55 houses, went from 5 million to 10 million, added an assistant and two buyer's agents. And she became a groupie, meaning if we asked her to do it, she would do it. She's turned on lead generation with Sync, who's a great partner of Sisu. And then she became a workman coach and she started coaching others. It was really interesting to watch her go from 10 million to the very next year going to 20 million. So you can see the five, then 10, then 20. Remember I talked about doubling each year. 2018, she sold 130 houses, went to 25 million, and then she decided to move. Now imagine having that kind of a business and then just picking up your whole team and your whole family and moving from Michigan to North Carolina. Well, Brooke did that. And going into a brand new market in 2021 hit 53 million in sales and kept her other team. So she went over seven figures because we taught her how to do it in Michigan. She followed the systems, went to North Carolina, and in just a year generated 35 million in sales in that. And so between her two teams now, she's got an unbelievable business. And she they huddle together, they've coordinated client care services, so they work out of the same office, but the agents go out and they work, she does huddles, and it's really fun to watch a young mom take on becoming a great leader and then helping other people be successful in her business. And it's like, she's the, she's the example of her core values for her family are very similar to the core values she runs her team with. And she wants her people to have a great life. And so that's kind of a example of someone who fits into the study as we've been going through all those things that make it work. Yeah. Thanks for sharing, Beryl. Um, For those of you guys looking at that saying, Hey, doubling my business every year, I can tell you our average CSU customer, because they're running their business like a real business and they know their numbers and they manage their sales team and they have systems in place. Our average team at CSU grows 107% year over year. So exactly what Verl just showed here. It's fun when you see it. And, you know, my, I like, I love when I see Brooke at a conference or she comes to coach training and there's so many people like her that have just, they just do the work and it's been life changing like we're changing people's lives and it's such a cool thing 
uh, during COVID, Brooke took off and she started driving with her kids to see all 50 states. And she would take pictures on her wall of all the states she went to with her kids as she was running her teams virtually. And it was such a fun thing to see her as she was doing you know, education with her children because they were all on lockdown. She's like, you know what, let's go see the country and was able to have a great business while that was all happening during COVID. So Viral, on this slide right here, I, it's been up for a minute, so I think a lot of people have been looking at it, but I just wanted to say that now more than ever, it's important that you're training your agents. And here's the thing. So many of these agents have been in the business now less than five years. They don't know how to do open houses. They don't know how to prospect. They don't know how to do any of these things that you team leaders know how to do. It's time to make sure you're training them because they have to sharpen their you know, quiver to be able to get the business in today's market. That's, that's a massive change that's happening. Yeah, so one of the problems with running a team, so here you are as a good real estate agent, all of a sudden now you have a team. Everything you do well is in your head and it's in your heart. And so I'm coaching teams all the time and all of a sudden they hire a buyer's agent, but the team leader didn't have anything to train the buyer's agent on because they haven't ever created it. So we invest heavily in building training products. So when you come into coaching with Workman, you're going to go through, a, you're going to get access to this training library that has specialty training for buyer's agents. Like literally it's 10 weeks of buyer agent training to get that agent to two transactions a month. It's everything they need to do. When we built our listing agent mastery program or our slam program out, it was specifically built by agents who list over 200 houses a year. And we took everything they did. What did they do in a pre-listing phase? What did they do in the home? What do they do when they have uh, multiple, when you're competing against somebody else? How do you deal with multiple offers? What do you do in a premium marketing plan? All of the elements that these people that do 200 houses or more a year did, we put into a program called SLAM. I tell people all the time, like, I don't care if you use my training, but if you're not listing 200 houses a year, you should probably just copy these people because they do. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. and, and not very many people do that much business. So just copy, do it my way for a while and watch what happens because these people just rock. And then, and then we built a program for the admin, you know, the agent, I don't know how many of you that's listening to the call have hired an admin or have had a bad experience hiring someone on your support team. And it's because you don't have an operations manual. You don't have all your policies and procedures written out all of the things that you do. So we created a program called AMP, which is admin mastery, which is literally 66 sessions on how to train a rock star administrative assistant or client care coordinator. So they wish they had specialty training. Look, 82% of those people in that 750 to a million dollars, that is their biggest need is they want specialty training and it doesn't exist. Well, guess what? It exists. And that's why, you know, our partnership is so strong is because you've got all the data and information and then we've built all the specialty training for all the different roles and responsibilities on a team. And so this is one of the stats that when I got this back, I was like, okay, so we're on the right track. We're building yeah. the right products. This is what they're asking for. So if this is not a focal point of yours today, make sure you prioritize it. Big time. You're my systems guy. Look at this one. Like almost half of the teams don't have systems for things they do three times or more. Yeah. So again, another reason that CISU was started, Verl, but I remember the day of helping my wife build her business and we were putting things into Google and take forms. And then we were taking that same data and putting it into Trello. Well, first it was whiteboards. Then we moved to Trello, putting that same data in, into uh, spreadsheets for commissions. <laughs> Every time you have that duplicate entry, it takes 20 minutes 
of your admin's time. So now you, if you add up your admin's hours in a day, I remember Spring had, back then, she had three TCs doing 150 transactions a year. She now has one TC with a couple of VAs doing over 800 transactions a year. So if you think about that, get your systems in place. There should never be duplicate data entry and also automate as much as you can. What do I mean by that? Well, if somebody goes under contract and that email that goes out with all of the data around a transaction can be generated automatically without a TC having to go do that and send it to five different people, the buyer, the seller, the other TC on the other side, the mortgage company, the title company, like don't make them manually do those things because there's ways to automate that kind of stuff. And that's why CSU was built. So anyway, yeah, totally. I see this all the time, bro. Everybody needs to write this down. Systems first, assistant second. And there's no task too small to delegate. Like just let it go. Team leaders struggle having somebody else do something. We do lots of stuff on like behavioral styles and things like that. And here's the thing, entrepreneurs, are usually, and, and I have successful people that are team leaders that are DISs and Cs. So it doesn't matter what your disc profile is. I have seven figure income earners that are all dominant in each of the four behavioral styles. But generally, my high Ds and my high Is, you see a lot of those as team leaders. Well, when they have to work in the details, they can do it, but it causes them to do it at a high level of anxiety and stress because it's not their natural happy place. Mm -hmm. And so they have a hard time delegating because they think everybody struggles as much as they do and they really have to focus and concentrate. But the reality is, is if you hire someone who's happy in the spreadsheets, they actually have no stress when they're doing the detail-oriented tasks. And so it's easier and they do a better job at it and you suck at it anyway, so just let it go. And that's the whole idea of creating systems. The other thing, Brian, that I think, and you tell me if this is consistent with the teams you see, is that it seems like at different levels of business, all of your systems break and have to be rebuilt to scale to the next level. Like what you're doing with Trello boards worked when you were a team of 10, but then all of a yeah. sudden when you're 20, you're like, ah, we're doing way too much duplicate entry for everything that we do. So I want to create my workflows in one place. So when a contract comes in, I set it and forget it. And it just happens. I don't have to go re-enter it into two or three other different well, platforms. And, and the problem with re-entering it into all those platforms is you're not getting the data out of any of those platforms that you need to successfully run a business. That's right. So, so I wanted to point out one thing here, and this is something I've learned from spring, like since we got married eight years ago, like she drills this into me all the time. If she ever sees me doing anything that such as mowing the lawn, when we first got married, I, I would mow the lawn. I thought, Oh, I'd enjoy, I enjoy getting outside. But the reality is, Let's just say you make $1,000 an hour as a team leader. If you're making a million dollars a year, you're making $1,000 an hour. And now all of a sudden you're stepping in and doing those types of tasks. Like Verl said that you're paying somebody 20, you're, you could pay somebody $20 an hour to do. Are you ever going to be able to scale your business and grow your business doing that? And the answer is no. So yeah, absolutely get your systems in place. Single most important thing in a business, in my opinion and now's the time to do that. You know, it's funny. 
you talk about that. I say there's no task too small to delegate. Like I never enjoyed mowing my own lawn. Um, yeah. You want to mow your lawn? Great. I want you to do whatever you love. Uh, one of the greatest things, you know, it's funny because I, I don't mow my own lawn. I don't change my own oil. I have someone that does that for me. And I was well, talking to me, my- me too. Me too. Now, Merle. I mean, I haven't I haven't mowed my own lawn in seven and a half years. <laughs> right. I don't even have a lawnmower. Right. Uh, my older yeah. boys used to do it for me, and then they had a lawn mowing company. But the next generation, they're very different. Well. One of the greatest gifts, I and it's not just you having a better life, right? So I look at my wife. I've been married for 36 years, so we just had our 36th anniversary. And a couple years ago for Christmas, I was thinking about what can I give my wife that would make her happy? Well, there's two things she hates. One is she hates shopping for their food, and the second thing is she hates cooking it. So I gave her a home chef. And so two days a week, the chef comes in and cooks Monday and Tuesday, and then Wednesday they come in and cook Wednesday and Thursday. Those have been my greatest, happiest years of marriage. It's not that, you know, and it wasn't even that expensive. What was important is that it was a task or something she didn't like doing. It caused her a lot of stress to always wonder what to feed the kids. And so when I took that off of her plate, it made her happier. Well, the same thing is true in our own businesses. What are the things that you're currently doing that you should let go of? Like, what are the things that you should delegate? I know you can delegate pretty much everything except probably your spouse. You shouldn't delegate that, but anything else you can have, you can delegate it. Yeah. Well said, Earl. That's a great example. Thanks for sharing that. Now, here's a big one for brands. I'll tell you what, all the major brands need to see this because so many companies are team tolerant, but they're not team friendly and they're not team proactive. They'll adjust the program because a team leader is getting ready to quit which is yep. very different than having solutions for the team. So brokers and owners and brands pay attention to this stat because 90% of real estate professionals believe that their major company should support a team model. That's pretty much all of them. So you want to go after the, what, the 11% that don't, or do you want the 89% that want a team model and look at your own business and say, do I have the resources, the training, the development, the coaching, the systems, the contracts? Do I have all of those things that if somebody wanted to build a team, they would come to me for answers because if you don't they're going to go to somebody else but the other thing is team structure as far as pay there are a lot oh, of right. how to compensate there a lot yeah. Of, yeah there are a lot of brokerages that don't yet compensate differently for teams and if they don't these teams will be leaving very quickly okay so there's great companies that are great brands that are losing great agents because somebody else is messaging better to their team leaders it's not that they have a better business model and it's not that they have a better compensation plan. It's that they have a better message. So the question you need to ask yourself as a broker owner or brand is, what is the message that I'm giving to my people about whether or not they should create leverage in their life? Like, I don't think it's my job to tell anybody you should have a team or not have a team. My job as a coach is to say, tell me what you want your life to look like and let me help you create a business that supports it. And if it means we need to have some leverage and create a team, great. If it means you need some broker related services to plug into that's great too but you've got to have better messaging to your agents i think that is one of the most important things that we talk about on this call is that every single major brand needs to have a team solution that is real not just lipstick on a pig it's got to be legitimate deep and authentic content that's well said bro we have another question here i'll address this really quick asking about Duplicate entry. And yes, absolutely. Duplicate entry is it's one of the biggest challenges in this industry and one of the biggest reasons CSU was founded and one of the biggest focuses of CSU. So 
um, you know, if you're using a transaction management platform or an intake form, I mean, CSU is much more than transaction management, but it's part of what we are. But if you're using a system that doesn't take your intake forms and turn those into task lists and automatically generate your task lists. And then if you have a brokerage that needs something pushed into SkySlope, that system should have, you know, an API connection that pushes that information into SkySlope. So you're not having to re-enter it in SkySlope. So anyway, that's all I'll say. A lot of you guys, many of you are on CSU, but if you're not, you should get a demo if you're running into those problems because we can solve those problems for you. So the same thing with the CRM, right? If you're connected to a CRM it, or if you're pulling data from a CRM, there's a lot of data in your CRM you have to pull into whatever that next step is. That should be done automatically, not manually. Uh, so... That's actually right. one of the reasons that we partnered with CSU is because of the open source mentality of leadership. You know, Brian likes to make his content available to anybody that wants it so that you can have the ability to have the dashboarding and the tracking and all of those things without doing multiple entry. And that's that was a big deal for us at Workman because we have clients pretty much on every platform and we wanted to make sure that when we plug them in that we had the ability to have consistency in the things that we were tracking and looking at. If you want to have a better experience with your coach, open up CSU to your coach as well, right? We can give them a free account where they can they can log in and access your data and provide you with better results because they know they know where your breakdowns are. So so um, this next step, Brian, is a heartbreaking one for me. And it said that 55% believe that being on a team had the effect on their personal life that I hope that means 45% of the people that have or are on teams aren't doing it right. And that means there's a lot of opportunity for us to help them. So if it's not having the effect on your personal life and you're not growing financially, then you're not doing your team right. And so this just tells me there's a lot of room in the industry for us to come in and support and to help and to coach more teams. It made me sad when I saw that. First, first I looked at it as a bad stat. Like, oh my gosh, only 50% like believe that the team had the effect and that's because no one was training them they started a team and nobody developed the leader so it's the very stuff that we talked about in the beginning and this supports what both you and i have what you and i have been saying yeah all right so this is another one biggest threats for smaller and larger teams are challenges with communication the the medium-sized teams didn't have as big a problems with communication which i thought was really interesting the really small teams, husband and wife, big problem. And the super big teams, the team leader got disconnected from the team members. And so we have to be real intentional. I call you have to have a rhythm of meetings. So you have to have a rhythm of meetings where you're meeting with your people in order to keep communication. One of the things we do with our CSU dashboards is it gives us talking points for our meetings. So because we're tracking the matrix that move the needle on our teams, it makes it really easy for us to have a rhythm of meetings and communicate. Are we on target? Are we not on target? What's our forecasting look like? What do we have in the hopper? I can do that with one click. So when you have the right data, it puts meat and meaning into your meetings. And if you don't have the right data, then you're just a talking head and nobody wants to show up for the meetings. And so communication happens when you have a basis for that communication. And that's a challenge in teams of every size. Vast so Burl, we, have, we have five minutes to the hour. We're going to cut this <laughs> wow. off within five minutes. So how many, how many do we have left here? And oh, I, I guess know. I'm asking this question because you're just getting a piece of this. <laughs> so maybe we're going to cut this off, Earl. I know you're going to talk to this even more at the rain event, September 26th through 28th. And so if there's anything else that you want to share, I'm going to let you share it. We'll possibly answer a few more questions, but maybe just let's kind of wrap up 
Um, yeah. the, this data, this data is amazing. And I'm shocked that nobody in this industry has ever done this before. And we're super excited to be a part of this with you at CSU because a lot of this data, I mean, you've gone out and done these outside studies and the next iteration of this, we will be doing pulling generalized data from the CSU platform, which again, we have, you know, 3,100 teams to provide you with some, some generalized data there that can have a significant impact on our knowledge of what we need to be doing to really be scaling and growing these teams. So yeah, I'm skipping through slides here. One of the things that's going to be really cool is when we take the general data from the industry and compare it to people that are CSU users, and then we'll compare it again to those that are being coached by workmen. I think we're going to find that there's going to be levels that happen. Like when you plug into the right tools and technology and you plug into the right coaches, you're going to see a vast difference in the income earned and the average income by the team members. Culture is a huge thing. A few Case studies, Josh May just went at incredible growth. Also a CSU user and a workman success coaching client as well as a coach. Um, the biggest difference is that the vast majority of people that joined a team say that they are more likely to stay in the industry because they got trained right. And so 81% believe that being on a team makes it likely for them to stay in the business. So you want to keep people in real estate or you're a broker owner or you're a team leader, you can bring new people in and they will stay in the business if they get on a team. Like their likelihood of staying in the business goes just astronomically through the roof if you put them on the right team on a well-coached, well-run team. And I think that everybody yeah. should do that. Let me go to a so, final slide here. I'll just put that up for you. Look at, here's all the things we didn't get to talk about. So in wrapping up, teams are the future of the industry and Verl knows it. We know it at CSU. Workman is focused on that. We are focused on that. Like if there's anything you guys want and need building your teams, come to either of us. We'll do, you know, anything and everything to help you guys grow because that's what our focus is. So again, we will be sharing this slide deck out with everyone who registered for today. So it's not like you're not going to get this, but if you want to get even more details behind this, Join us at the RAIN event, September 26th through 28th, where Verl will be a keynote. And we have some other incredible speakers that are going to be there. And super, super excited about that event. So Verl, thank you so much for joining today. And thank you all for joining. We're excited and hoping that this will make a difference in your business. And let us know if there's anything else we can do for you. Thanks Thanks for having me. I'll see you all at RAIN in Salt Lake. All right. We'll see you later. Thank you for joining us on our podcast. If you have an interest in a free seven-day trial of Sisu, go to sisu.co, S-I-S-U dot C-O. Make sure that you use the coupon code GRIT, that's G-R-I-T, to waive all your setup fees and receive a 10% discount on your subscription. If you enjoyed listening to this podcast and want to subscribe, search GRIT, the Real Estate Growth Mindset, on iTunes, Spotify, or Podbean. And with that, we'll catch you next time. Take care.